everybody, welcome or welcome back to BNB Anime for the year-end review. Super exciting. How are you doing, Brad? I'm hot. You're hot? Well, I mean, my hand's hot. Otherwise, I'm totally fine. Yeah, you burnt yourself, didn't you? Burned? No, just scorched the hair off my hand. Yes. Ooh. Ooh. So needless to say, for the next day or so, my hand is going to smell lovely. Mmm, burnt hair. Best smell in the world. Oh yeah, so so great. I, I love it so much. Yeah, I bit my tongue, so uh, I'm just putting it out there. If I sound weird this podcast recording, that's why. Uh, you you sound fine. Okay, at least good. on at least in my ears. Good. Okay, I'm glad. If I say things, if I have a, a lisp or something, I don't know. I bit my tongue earlier today. It's kind of swollen. <laughs> it's a great time. Yes, it's so good. Yeah, but I didn't introduce us. Oh. I didn't. I forgot to introduce us. I'm Blue, oh. that's Brad. We're here. Yeah, yeah, that's what's supposed to be our most professional podcast of the year between this one and next one. It has turned into jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly don't think we could be professional if we tried. Put no. on a suit, get it tailored, send us to a convention with a bunch of other tailored suited people, and we would still stick out like sore thumbs. Well, I think your main stick out would be your hair. My main stick out would be my beard. Yeah. But hey, we got this. We got this. <laughs> we could be normal people. Uh, <laughs> that's debatable. <laughs> but yeah, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing pretty dang good. I have finally decorated our house for Christmas. We are Christmas celebrators, so yeah, we, we have done the decorations for that. I believe Hanukkah is well underway now, so that's exciting for people who celebrate that. Now now my accent is just, it's tingling, because it feels like it's being made fun of. That. That. <laughs> that. You know, it, it makes me think that for some reason you've popped into my past couple of Red Dead streams, <laughs> and have just decided to mock my overly southern accent. As oh, I no. stream that game. I'd never do that yet. Because the whole time I stream that, it's literally just, Alright, now here's what we're going to do. Now here's what we're going to do. <laughs> 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 but yeah, what about you? Is your house decorated? Are you a Christmaser? So, I am a Christmaser. However, we are not Christmasing in the house. Mm-hmm. My stream setup, or my whole office setup, is probably the most Christmassy decorated of the whole house because of my Christmas lights that are strung everywhere. Oh, nice. Yeah, I have um, fairy lights all over the place. I have them in my bedroom. I have them in my office. I love fairy lights. And they just stay up all year round as well. We do have specific Christmassy ones that are up, but I just keep them up all year round. (laughs) Honestly, you should get those LED ceiling strips and just run those around the whole house too while you're at it. Oh, okay, so there's this this YouTube channel called Ants Canada. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's a dude who lives in the Philippines, but he's Canadian. Mm-hmm. And he, well, he's Filipino and Canadian, but he has all of these really big ant farms. And he had a, I think they were black crazy ants. I don't know. It was a couple of months ago, maybe even over a year ago, that he had these. Uh, so he kept these specific ants. And he set up those, like, you know those clear tubes that you sometimes use for, like, plumbing? I don't know what you really use them for. Like, the clear tubes. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, he had those set up all over the house and he connected them into their terrarium. And so they could like run all of these tunnels all around his his flat. He just had these like clear tubes of ants going all over his place. And that's what you reminded me of when you said you could just run them all over the house. It's like having those ant tunnels just all (laughs) over the house. That's funny. I feel like if you had, oh, what are those hamsters? The really small ones, uh, they begin with an R. I don't know, Ro- Robotham, I don't, I don't know. There's, a, there's a, like a hamster that works really well with other hamsters and they're really, really small. And I feel like if you had those, you could do the same thing. I mean, obviously you'd need bigger tubes, but I feel like you could do the same thing where you just have like tubes running all over your house. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd be game. Yeah. I forgot where we were going with that. Hamsters! Yeah, what do you what do you know? Yeah, so what have you what have you been up to this week? You done anything fun? Uh a couple big planning things for voice acting stuff in the future, which is super exciting. There's a project that I have been working on that is gonna be announced and released very soon, which I'm really, really super duper extra excited for. So as soon as I can talk about that and it has been publicly released by the person who actually created the whole project, then I will absolutely jump on here and tell you guys about it. I'm, yeah, super duper uber excited about it. It's a fun time. I am, I'm very excited for you. I'm just, in general, I am extremely proud of you and everything that you've accomplished this year. Aww. That's so sweet of you. Yeah, I'm, I, I've got a, a couple big projects coming out and being announced very shortly for voice acting stuff, which is kind of like, is, well, it's my dream career. So, you know, uh, it's, it's like, I feel like it's something that I've been working towards for many, many years, even though I've only been like actively pursuing it since the beginning of this year, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because I've, yeah, I've been in acting since I was four years old. I was in choir since I was four years old and then went into the modeling industry at 16 and therefore did all of my networking connections and stuff. Like everything I've done since I was four has been like honing my craft and like building my resume to be able to then shift it into the area that I've now discovered is my favorite because I Mm -hmm. had to kind of go through all of those previous ones and rule them out and to be like, okay, yeah, no, I like that, but it's it's kind of a fun project. It's not where I want to be, you know? Mm-hmm. And now I've found voice acting and I'm like, yeah, no, this is where I'm comfortable, but also feel challenged. It's where I am excited to be involved in projects. It's where I get to feel like I'm being really creative, but I'm also not putting myself out there as much as I was with like modeling and acting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I feel like everything has kind of been building up to me discovering my love and passion for voice acting and then having it coincide with one of my favorite hobbies, which is anime watching, (laughs) is, it's really, you know, it's awesome. So I hope one day to be involved in some of the projects that we can work on on the podcast. That would be amazing. But until then, I have still been involved in super duper cool nerdy projects that I am excited to share with you guys as soon as i can so yeah so shall we shall we get into a little bit of news let's hear some news news so netflix is going to be making a live action series based on the manga of yu yu Hakusho. oh okay i don't know if you've seen any yu yu Hakusho growing up but i watched a metric shit ton of it i i didn't it was it was on on adult swim all the time because you know your boy that was uh I stayed up late watching anime when I shouldn't have. But, you know, that, that's kind of where all this shit started. So, 
you know. You but rebel, I'm, you. Oh, yeah, I was just such a rebel. My parents gave no shits about me, so I just stayed up and watched anime and played video games and started slowly warping my life into becoming the human being that I am today. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, um, I don't know how I feel about it, because we saw what they did with Death Note, so I am... I'm scared yeah. to see what's going to happen, but uh, I guess we'll see. Yeah, I feel like Netflix is doing it, you said, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like Netflix has been really hit or miss. Guess they never miss, huh? Uh, uh. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, I feel like Netflix has been really hit or miss with nerd stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't think they've really found a good solid hit in the anime community with their live action stuff yet. Uh, not, not to my knowledge. No. Because they did Seven Deadly Sins, which everyone thought was really good. Mm-hmm. But I can't think of another one off the top of my head that's like Netflix anime community approved, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Uh, actually, it's not live action, but Devilman Crybaby mm. is something that they helped work on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I feel like Netflix is is really hit or miss when it comes to this kind of stuff, and I hope that it goes well, because live-action anime stuff has a horrible reputation. Uh, that's an understatement. Yeah. So I'm I'm always hopeful that things turn out good, because I would like- I feel like it would bring a whole new audience of people to weeb culture. Mm-hmm. And- you know, although there's something kind of nice about it being like a, oh, well, you're an anime peep, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like uh, you have something in common automatically and you can, it's kind of like a club if <laughs> you're in the anime club, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, and so that's kind of nice. But with these big moves that are happening with like Sony and other really influential anime companies and, and anime just becoming so much more of a vast industry, having a different audience, I feel like, helps large companies from getting too manipulate if that makes sense. So like Agreed. if they, yeah, if like a big company who would normally jump in on the anime stuff because that's when the numbers are, sees that things are doing well in the live action circuit and they're more equipped to deal with the live action stuff, then they might just make anime adaptations into live actions and kind of leave the anime stuff to the anime people, you know? Mm -hmm. There's a couple live action adaptations that I'm currently legitimately interested in. Mm -hmm. The live action remake of The Promised Neverland. Mm Mm-hmm. And then, from my understanding, there's a live-action make in the works of Your Name. Right. So I am really interested in both of those. But again, because of Netflix's creation of Death Note, I don't, I can't put any faith in the Yu Yu Hakusho mm-hmm. remake just yet. Mm-hmm. But maybe that's just me and cynical brain. I don't know. Yeah. I definitely think it's going to be one of those things that you have to, be- like, you believe it when you see it. Mm-hmm. But I don't think either of us have a hope that it's awful. I think we both hope that it turns out well. And because I know a lot of people like they love to hate, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. which I'm down for. You know, if you watch like really awful horror movies and you watch them because they're bad. Yes. Like that kind of thing. Like I get that. But I do think that with the anime industry, with the fact that it's booming so much right now, it would be beneficial to get a solid footing in live action stuff, adaptations mm-hmm. of, of anime stuff. I agree. It's one of those things to where I sincerely hope 
it doesn't fail. Mm-hmm. Because it is such a beloved series. This is one of those that's so nostalgic for a lot of people that if it's done right, then everyone will just immediately fangirl over it. Mm-hmm. But if it's done wrong, the entire anime community will come out of the woodworks over this one. Mm-hmm. Similar to how they did with Death Note, because I don't know if you remember Twitter and the rest of the internet whenever the Death Note film came out, but my god. Yeah, no, I remember. I've never seen so many references to the room in my life. <laughs> I did not! I did not! I did not hit her! This is bullshit! I did not- oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> oh, hi, Mark. But yeah, I sincerely hope for the best for it. Hopefully- If Netflix can put the kind of love and passion into it like they did with The Witcher, then Mm. I have high hopes. Yeah. But it depends on how much they want to put into it and how much they want to see it succeed. Mm. Would you personally prefer an animation studio, like a a classic anime, well-known studio, to make a good live-action version? Or would you prefer a outside, like, third party to take a well-known anime and make an adaptation, like in this case, Netflix, for the the first well-known, really good live-action adaptation, who would you want to do it? I would like to see something high budget, mm-hmm. just to truly see that the effort and work was put into it. But I think it would truly take a combination of the two. I think it mm-hmm. would take the creators of the anime and the manga of whatever it is sitting down with the director for the film and the script writers and everyone else Mm -hmm. and all coming together on it. So I think it truly would take both, Mm -hmm. but I would much rather see a big budget Hollywood studio or Netflix or just anyone that actually has the budget and the ability to make something right without cheaping out on things that typically tend to happen Mm -hmm. with live action remakes just to truly see something like that come to life Mm -hmm. do you think that it would be beneficial for them to take something that's maybe not as necessary in animation like you know how you have like like demon slayer like so much of that is can only be done the way it's done in anime you can't change that to a live action adaptation so do you think it would be better for them to take something that's more like not as necessary to have an animation like i mean even something like maybe violet evergarden doesn't have the same level of imagination needed well that's why i think your name the live action remake of that is going to be a true test of what <clears throat> i think live action adaptations can be yeah. because it is a slice of life it's fantasy slice of life but it's still The only thing that's really going to need that much budget put into it is going to be the environment. Mm -hmm. But as far as the characters and everything else, costume design and all of that, it's not going to be rough at all. Yeah. For, okay, so if they were to do Violet Evergarden, this is one that's like, it's stuck in my brain now because I've I've got the name in front of me. (laughs) That doesn't help as well. It's on, (laughs) on a notepad right in front of me. But if they were to do a live action version of Violet Evergarden, how would you want them to do her hands? Would you want them to be like a costume element, a makeup element, or completely CGI? Just due to the animation style of the show itself, I think a full CGI would be necessary. Mm-hmm. Because it would stick with the theme of the show, and I feel like that's the only way that you're going to really achieve that full 
you know, chain mail or auto mail look is going to be through CGI. Yeah. Because if you just wear green green screen sleeves, I don't feel like it would be that hard to achieve that sort of look. Yeah. And they're not really seen that often either. Mm. They're heard more than they're actually seen. That's what, yeah, that's what I was thinking. And I feel like it, there, you could do a combination of the two if you did like the fundamentals in costume design and then added in CGI elements. I don't know if they would find it easier to just do the whole thing in CGI or if it would be easier to do like half and half. Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure like Iron Man's suit and stuff, I know it's like 50-50, mm-hmm. but it's so much more intricate with the hands. Yeah, so that's why I don't know if it would be better to just do it all in CGI just because of how far CGI has progressed. Mm-hmm. So it would be, I'd like to see a mock-up of both and then kind of decide from there, which I realize would be a waste of budget, but I think it would be necessary to see what's truly going to work and what's not. Because mm-hmm. I feel like that would be the only way to truly get an idea. Yeah. But anyway, that's all relative because that's not the live action that's being made. Nope, that is not. However, you know what is being made? What? A 4K screening of Demon Slayer. Ah, fun. It is going to be dropping next week in Japan, and not only is it going to be dropping in IMAX theaters in Japan, but it is also going to be dropping where Demon Slayer is, as of today, sitting within 550 million yen of Spirited Away. Right. So this should be the thing that pushes it over the edge then. I feel like it's just going to speed things along, Mm -hmm. because Demon Slayer has broken another record this week. Yeah. Demon Slayer has broken the record for the quickest film to break the 30 billion yen mark in Japanese theaters. So whereas it took Spirited Away, I believe, 257 days to reach that milestone, Mm -hmm. Demon Slayer did it in 59. That's a big difference. That's that's a massive difference. I thought you were going to say like 210 or something, you know. No, it has not. It hasn't even been in theaters that long. It's been in theaters for nine weeks, which brings me to a separate piece of news, but also the same. Demon Slayer for nine weeks has been the number one film in Japanese cinemas. That's ridiculous. So not only is it just still continuing to break records, but it is now 511 million yen away from topping Spirited Away. And with that 4D screening coming next week, I believe it's about two weeks away from beating Spirited Away in the box office. It makes me wonder if foreign cinemas have decided to show Demon Slayer that previously didn't have contract, have like gone through and like specifically sought out a contract for Demon Slayer when they previously may have turned it down or just not even considered it in the first place. I mean, I think it would be wise of them to, Because especially if a cinema company that's already licensed out the rights to be able to use it, if they have cinemas in those countries, why not just go ahead and show it in those countries if you have the ability to? Yeah. I think that would definitely be a wise decision to make. Now, with that being said, I found out another little piece of news about how popular Demon Slayer is in Japan. Mm Mm-hmm. So there's a study that was done, and apparently 90% of Japan's population are familiar with Demon Slayer at this point. Wow. I'm baffled by that, because that's that's a lot. (laughs) 
That's a massive portion of an entire country's population being familiar with an anime. Yeah, and the the interesting thing about that is as well as people just being knowledgeable about it, but it's it's people that are outside of the demographic being able to recognize an anime by name. To be like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, you know, like a 90-year-old great-grandma being like, oh yeah, my, my great-grandkids or my grandkids really like that show. Like, I know the name of it. As mm-hmm. opposed to it just being like, oh yeah, it's going to be one of those things that they forget in a week, so I'm not going <laughs> to retain that name in my brain, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, it's like Fortnite, for instance. I don't know very many people in the States that are unfamiliar with that name at this point. Mm -hmm. It's just become so synonymous with everything going on that it's just hard not to know. Mm -hmm. Like you would have to actively seek out not knowing to have to avoid that. Mm -hmm. So I believe it's another situation like that of just because of how far Demon Slayer has spread in the country over there. Yeah. What do you think is going to be the type of anime that is going to get on that same level over here in North America. What do you think is going to be the first household name anime to come about? Because, of course, like, anime is a huge in anime communities, but, like, my parents don't know anime. I feel like there's... I feel like My Hero and Dragon Ball are already on that sort of level. I suppose Pokemon. <clears throat> yeah, Pokemon as well. But, again, that's going to be more for our generation. So as our generation gets older and have children and continue to grow, then I feel like that's only going to spread. Mm Because I don't know many people our age that don't know what those anime are. Yeah, I feel well, Pokemon, I feel like is more known as being a game than it is an Mm -hmm. anime. And but yeah, I don't feel like there's any that's like on that same level of Demon Slayer being known by 90% of the population of Japan. I don't feel like there's anything in North America that you could go to nine out of 10 people and say, do you know Sailor Moon and have nine out of 10 people say yes. Dragon Ball is about as close to that as you're going to get. Yeah, but then I I I feel like if you go to like above 40 and ask them about Dragon Ball and they're not going to know. Maybe. Because, again, it depends on their children as well. So, but that's the only anime I can think of that has that sort of popularity here. And that's getting rid of all personal bias towards the show itself. I I even feel like under 10 probably wouldn't know Dragon Ball. Again, I feel like that's our age demographic, you know? Well, even... A little bit younger, a little bit older. I don't know. But on that same note, though, kids shouldn't know what Demon Slayer is. (laughs) <laughs> that's true but so 90% of Japan's population but even then it's like it's like going down the street and seeing merchandise in the store might be your recognizing of Demon Slayer it might not be that you know the anime necessarily it might just be mm-hmm. that you know the characters you've seen it everywhere and there's nothing that's been advertised that much that's so common in North America that is an anime other than the first one that comes to my brain is Pokemon but then I'm thinking that that's mainly based on the game and like the like it's advertised as a game as opposed to being advertised as an anime you know Mm -hmm. well Dragon Ball and Naruto are the two as far as merch sales are the ones that I'm seeing slowly crop up more and more in Mm -hmm. stores I'm not talking about your specialty shops like Hot Topic and GameStop and all those. I'm seeing their stuff pop up more and more in just random stores. Yeah. Not even just Walmart, but there is a 
some sort of shoe shop down from work and they have they had a Dragon Ball bathrobe for sale in their window. Like it was Goku's gi just as a bathrobe. And I was like, excuse me? Yeah, I feel like Naruto's a good shout. But then again, I, I still don't feel like it's necessarily on that same level as Demon Slayer. But it's, again, as our generation grows older, then I believe stuff like that is going to slowly become more and more mainstream because we're already seeing evidence of anime becoming more and more mainstream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100% agreed. But a lot of that has to do with social media like TikTok and whatnot as well. Because yeah, especially well, TikTok, I don't know if you've noticed, but the amount of anime stuff that pops up in my feed is unreal. Yeah, anime is huge on TikTok. I, I feel like as well, we kind of get, well, both of us search a lot of anime. We both, we're both constantly watching anime. Our algorithms on our computers are very much surrounded by anime. It would be really interesting for me to go onto like my mom's social media or my mom's laptop or something and spend like an hour on there and just see the difference in recommended videos on YouTube, recommended videos on TikTok, because my mom actually does have a TikTok account, and uh, <laughs> her Twitter feed, all of this, her Instagram feed, stuff like that. Because, of course, all of our search results are going to be targeted towards the fact that they know that we're really interested in anime. So it would be really fascinating for me to go on, like, I don't know, a library computer and see what things come up when you're on Google, stuff like that. Well, I was going to say, I don't think you would want to trust your mom's Instagram feed because she likes every single one of our posts on Instagram. Love you, mom. Yeah, I appreciate it. But <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, I believe her Instagram results would be just a little bit warped because a little of bit us. warped. Yeah. Could you imagine what her search page looks like from liking all of those memes? Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> that would be. That would be great just to see. Yeah, especially because it's like combined with like cake recipes and pictures of my cousins and <laughs> other, I don't know, mum stuff. Honestly, you should you should look and then give us an update at some point. <laughs> I will try and steal I'm, my mum's phone. I'm curious. I am 100% curious now. Yeah, it's probably going to be a lot of... Native American stuff, Aboriginal stuff. My mom works for a company. She's been working with a company that has been doing a lot of like research and development and stuff like that in on reservations and stuff. And she's been working with some really cool stuff and she's been going to like doing university courses about like Canadian history and the crap that happened. So she's been searching a lot of that. So probably be a lot of that mixed in with anime, which is very amusing. That is definitely amusing. <laughs> They're like two very much opposite. One side of things is very political. Other kind of stuff is, is anime. Just kawaii anime cat girls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's all I've got for news. That's all you got for news. Well, we don't have any background today because we're not covering any specific anime. So I guess we will jump into the rules of what's going to happen. Ooh. We have rules for this shit? Not really. <laughs> so the way that we kind of made this work, because we're going to go through and I think are they called superlatives or did I make that up? Uh, I mean... I just always looked at them as basically what I did. I went to the Crunchyroll Anime Awards for 2020 and stole every last one of these. Yeah, we stole the Crunchyroll Anime Awards. So what we're going to do is we're going through every single anime that we have covered since the beginning of 2020. The way that we've also done it as well is that if we've covered something with multiple seasons, we're just covering the 
anime itself, we're not covering specific seasons and categorizing them separately. So for instance, one of the ones that, that pops up in this is Food Wars. Food Wars as a whole, as opposed to Food Wars 1 through 5? Seasons 1 through 5? Yeah. Well, considering so, we covered seasons 1 through 4 together and, yeah. uh, and season and then, 5 separately. Yeah. Now the one... The one thing I will get to is one of our nominations for anime of the year is ReZero. Yes. Whereas my reason for nominating that is not season one, although season one is phenomenal. Do not get me wrong. But season two is my whole purpose for nominating that. Mm. And so as it was covered separately, that's going to be my one excuse for that. Mm. Yeah. But for the most part, we're covering specific animes as a whole, as opposed to sections of them, unless, of course, the category determines for sections of them, for instance, best fight scene. So yeah, we have a few different different categories. We're going to jump through them. Both of us have uh, reasonably pitched two each. So we have four nominations for each category in general. There are a couple exceptions. And it's reasonable to say that we pitched two each, but also quite a lot of us put the same. So Brad wrote his all down on the spreadsheet first. So when I went through and I was like, ah, we have the same on this one. We have the same on this one. I went through and chucked in a couple oddballs into a couple of these to make sure that we had some, uh, <laughs> some variation going through. So there are some that are for jokes. There are some that are to spark debates. And there are some that I just thought, it deserves a shout out, so I'm going to chuck it in there, even though I'm aware that it's probably not going to win. And again, these are all just our opinions. These are all the animes that we have covered since the beginning of the podcast. And so they're not 2020 animes. There are animes. And yeah, they're just for funsies. Let us know your thoughts on what we've decided for these. And we're also going to list all of the categories down in the comment section on our YouTube channel so that you guys can go through and fill in your own answers to all of the categories as well. And let us know your thoughts on your favorite animes of this year for each category. And they don't have to be animes that we've covered, just be animes that you've watched since the beginning of this year. Yeah. Yeah. So our first category, we are starting from the back. So let me flip to the last page. So our first category of this evening is best OP. Yeah. Now, OPs are a hot topic of debate for Blue and I, because she is not that much of an OP or ED person, whereas for me, that is a huge influence on how I end up grading an anime, so I figured it would be best for me to take the reins on this one. Yeah, go for it. So, our nominees for Best OP, Food Wars, Tanaka Kun is Always Listless, Tokyo Ghoul's Unravel, and Demon Slayer's Gringe. Yeah, no, uh, I added in, as you can tell, Brad actually put the names of the things in. Um, <laughs> I didn't, because I don't. I put in a Food Wars specifically because the OP of the first one is consistent throughout the rest of the seasons. And I it hits me with the, that nostalgia factor, and I really appreciate that, and it gives me the feels. You see, I slightly understand where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> However, it's one of those things to where I will disagree with you on that one because it is not consistent. It's vastly consistent, but I believe seasons three and four, the OPs vastly stray from everything that seasons one, two, and five were for mm -hmm. OPs. Mm -hmm. So that is going to be my main argument on Food Wars. Makes sense. And then Tanaka Kun, I had to put that one there because it is the only EP since the beginning of 
the podcast that I have downloaded onto my phone and listened to on repeat. You see, I figured it was going to be there. Did you actually put that there or did I put that there because I knew it was coming? I actually don't remember, but it's in my notes, so. Yeah, because I, I could have swore that I might have put that there just because I figured you were going to anyway. Yeah. Yeah, freaking love Tanaka Kun's always listless. It, I, as soon as I heard the show, it automatically raised the show like five points. Not that the show is bad, the show is amazing, but it just like spiked the show because it just, it's my kind of music. I, it made me check out the band. Like, I actually checked out the band. The, the band uh, doesn't have any other good tracks. That's just my <laughs> personal opinion, but I was really sad when I listened to the rest of the music and I didn't like it as much as I liked this track but yeah i listened to their them perform it live like i really like that song it makes me happy Mm -hmm. i can definitely understand where you're coming from on that one it is without a doubt a track that i can listen to anytime and just feel happy from it yeah however let's talk about the other two for a second garinge hands down the most hype anime op we have had all year this year it was the number one downloaded song for god knows how long yeah lisa absolutely topped the charts with it yeah and then you have unravel which is to a lot of people including myself the number one op of all time it is a song that truly expresses both like pain and sadness and anger all at the same time it's just it's wonderful and also because of unravel And as much as I've talked about it on the podcast, I've looked into more of what TK has actually done as an artist. Mm -hmm. And for one, that man is badass on the guitar. And two, no one should be able to scream like he does and be able to hit the high notes like that man does. (laughs) It is phenomenal to listen to all of his tracks just outside of Unravel itself. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely agree with both of those nominations because the statistics don't lie. People freaking love them. They're not my personal taste, but my personal taste is very weird and we've discussed this on the show many times that I don't have the same kind of ear for OPs and EDs that everyone else does because my personal preference gets in the way. So I absolutely back those two because it's just me being weird. So if you had to pick one... And again, this is Tonica Kuhn included. Mm-hmm. But if you had to pick one as for the best OP of the year, statistics and everything else included, where do you go? My personal preference is always going to be Tonica Kuhn. It's my favorite. But considering the hype, the love, the current expansion of not just the OP, but the show, the band having been brought back to do more stuff, and the fact that all of my friends get on my case because I don't like it, I'm going to go with Demon Slayer. I agree. Yeah. I have to agree, because although Unravel is my favorite OP of all time, and it is, for a lot of people, their favorite OP of all time, it's just, in the terms of hype and everything else surrounding it, it does not compare to what Gringe, and then as of next year, whenever we cover Mugen Train... Homura, because Homura is just going to, that's destroyed Garinj mm-hmm. as far as the billboard charts and everything go. Mm-hmm. So not only did Lisa outdo herself with the OP for the show, but the ED for the film has topped that. Mm-hmm. So hands down, OP of the year goes to Demon Slayer's Garinj without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. 
I back that. Next category. Next category. So, next category. What, as anything, should follow up a good OP is obviously going to be NED. Yeah. Hopefully not too soon afterwards, because you kind of want some show in the middle, but you know. Yeah, but I mean, (laughs) then again, there are some shows, (coughs) Domestic Girlfriend, that you only watch for either the OP or the ED. In Domestic (laughs) Girlfriend's case, the OP, because that OP is fire. The rest of that show is a fucking raging dumpster fire, Mm -hmm. but that OP is top notch. Yep. So, for Best ED, you have Your Lion April's 2nd ED, Orange, Bunny Girl Senpai's ED, which I did not write down the name of because I think it was too long for me to try to remember. However, if you've heard it, you know it. And the ED for All You Lost, which (laughs) I know the whole reason Blue has it on here. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, because guess who doesn't watch EDs? Me. Uh, you? <laughs> yeah, me. I don't. Uh, this was this the category I struggled with the absolute most, to the point where I only put one down, and the only reason why I put it down was because I remembered the cute chibis, and I was like, which one is that one with the chibis? And Brad was like, are you lost? And I was like, sure. And then I googled it, and it was. That's the whole reason why it's down there, is because I remembered the chibis. I don't remember EDs. They don't stick in my brain. I've watched every single one from every episode that we- for- for every anime that we've covered, but they don't stick in my brain. They don't even stick on my brain from the day that I've watched the anime to a couple hours later when we have to re- record the podcast and Brad goes, what did you think of the ED? And I go, I don't know. It's because you skip it. You might watch I the first sure one for I, the show I watch and then the you first skip and everyone the last else. Episode. I make sure I watch it at least twice and I still don't remember them. They just don't stick in my brain. Part of me does not even believe that. I think I you did. might watch it once, and sometimes you may not even watch it at all. No, I watch it twice. Every single season, every... If there's a, a change in OPs and EDs, I will still watch both of them twice. But that's that's all I do. And and they don't... They just don't stick in my brain. I don't know why. They just don't. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just here to give you shit. That's, I know. That's all I'm here for. Yeah. I deserve now, it. As... <laughs> Now, as for the other two, I obviously put them there because I am an emotional, sappy little bitch. Yeah. Now, Bunny Girl Senpais, I had to sit and debate on Mm -hmm. because typically OPs are a lot more my taste than EDs because EDs, a lot of the times, in my opinion, don't necessarily mesh well with the show. Mm -hmm. But because of Blue and I's recording schedule for the podcast, I went ahead and watched the first episode that we're going to be covering for January in Rascal Does Not Dream of Dreaming Girl. Mm -hmm. So it reminded me of the ED itself. And not only that, but it just kind of triggered just emotions. And so that to me immediately sticks out in just in what a good OP or ED should be is just triggering emotion, whether it be happiness, sadness, or just nostalgia in general. Because if you hear something randomly play... And it triggers something, that's the note of a good song in general. Yeah, and I completely agree with that. And so hearing it, I did get a little emotional. Now, was I already emotional little bitch from the film? Yes. But hearing <laughs> that just, again, triggered more emotion from the show itself, not just the film. Yeah. However, Orange from Your Line April, that triggers a whole different set of emotions. I remember messaging you after I finished episode 13. And I was like, I'm crying like a little bitch. <laughs> 
And it's true. Anytime I hear orange come on, I immediately get teary-eyed. Because mm-hmm. that ED has stuck with me for the past four years. It is, hands down, my favorite ED of all time. Mm-hmm. And out of Everything we have covered this year, it was the first thing to go on the list for best ED because it is, in my opinion, the number one ED that belongs there just because of the amount of emotion that it triggers. Also, the animation, phenomenal. It suits the show to an absolute T. It's just, in my opinion, nothing else deserves to even be listed in that category as nominations. Okay, well, there you go then. Yeah, for me, it's just, I don't know. They don't stick in my brain. I don't find them memorable so having like it's really hard for me to have an opinion on them because i feel like that should be part of what makes them special is that they're memorable and like you said that they then trigger emotions for you whenever you hear them Mm -hmm. and because they just don't for me i feel like this isn't a category that i can really have too much of a say on because yeah they just don't they don't they don't stick in my brain at all i feel like when i get to the end of an episode i'm just my brain is too hyperactive to focus on the ED. You see, it's funny you say that because whenever I wrote down this category and was going through trying to put stuff in it, Are You Lost was the first one that came to mind that I figured you would put on here. Yeah. Because I remember the conversation you and I had at the end of our Daily Lives of High School Boys and Are You Lost episode Mm -hmm. in that the number one thing that stuck out to you was the chibi drawings. Yeah, I thought they were really cute. The ED. Yeah. The song itself is... I have no memory. I can't even tell you. (laughs) Yeah. But the chibi drawings itself. But that, on that note, brings me to the point of Dr. Stone's ED as well, in that the second ED, where it was all done in crayon, that was phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good shout. There we go. Fourth nomination. Dr. Stone. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) But... That's a good shout. Yeah, it's in the same vein of, you know... Although the songs aren't necessarily that great, although that second ED for Dr. Stone is really good, too. Don't Mm -hmm. get me wrong. But, yeah, I believe it has to be a good combination of both to truly stand out as an ED. And that's why Orange, in my opinion, just takes the cake, because it fits the show. It fits what the last half of Your Lion April is, but also that song, I cry just about every time I hear it. Especially if I go long periods of time without hearing it. Mm -hmm. All right, then. I will back your opinion on that. Yatta! Yatta! We have decided Orange is best ED. So, our next category we're going to cover. The next three categories are going to be just main anime genres. Mm -hmm. So, for the first category, I think this one is basically a 100% unanimous decision from the both of us. So, I will let you introduce our nominations for best comedy of the year. Yeah, so we are going to start off with... Let's do the two that we did in the same episode. We're going to start off with Daily Lives of High School Boys. This is one of my... One of the funniest animes that I have ever watched. And one of the first ones that I got Brad to watch when we decided that we were going to do this show. But we paired it, because the episodes aren't very long, with Are You Lost? Which has even shorter episodes, which we've also previously discussed. And then we're also added in for our third nomination, Food Wars, which is obviously hilarious. And our final one, which you've heard us, heard us, heard us, you have heard us do it too, but you know, (laughs) you heard us rant and rave about, it is none other than Tanaka-kun is always listless. 
I promise that those three, if uh, Are You Lust, Food Wars, and Tanaka Kun have already been nominated for previous categories. But uh, yeah, I promise we're not just going to use those throughout the entire ones. We do have other ones as well. But yeah, best comedy. Tanaka Kun is always listless. Food Wars, Daylos High School Boys, and Are You Lost? Brad, thoughts go. Do we even have to have a discussion on this one? I know, that's why I was trying to ramp up the titles, because like, I was like, this is so obvious to anyone who's listened to us for like more than three seconds. Yeah, so we have this, this is one of the categories that it is done in descending order, in my opinion, with Tanaka Kun, Food Wars, The Daily Lives of High School Boys, and Are You Lost? All yeah. four are hilarious, but again, in my pick of favorites, it is also in that order, and it's funny that I was the one to fill out the whole table and categories first, although... I put Tonica Kuhn on there to kind of throw a jab at Blue because I knew she would try to come up with other stuff to put on there since I stole her favorite and her pick for this one. Yeah, 100%. Tonica Kuhn is hilarious to me. It's one of the only animes that gets me barely laughing out loud. Daily Lives High School Boys is a very close second. I find that is the runner-up to me for, for Funniest Anime that I have watched. But Tonica Kuhn has more rewatchability than Daily Lives High School Boys, which is what makes it... That little bit better to me. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Mm -hmm. But it is... Just thinking about it makes me laugh. I was just thinking about him with this shiny face. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, that's all it takes. Because yeah. you and I have even had this discussion. All Blue has to say is shiny face. <laughs> and I, for one, immediately think of Tanaka Kun. But yeah. also how accurate that is to the world going on right now. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Or just like the bongo cat which is hitting the desk yes. and you sent me that gif. I still use that gif all the time. All the time. Anytime someone, you know, anytime I want to act, pretend angry with someone, or anytime I want to give Blue shit because she's shorter than me, I'll use that just as a height comparison. Yeah, for, for us, Tanaka Kun has become such an inside joke. It's become such a, like a, a pop culture reference that we use all the time between us and our friend groups that it's it's become so much more than just an anime for us. Whereas the others, yeah, Daily Lives High School Boys, I still send gifts for, especially like that reading on the hill one. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I send the gifts for that. But like the the variety and the the jokes and things that we have attached to Tanaka Kun, the way that it just made us laugh immediately and uh, immediately sparked all these conversations in our friend group and everything like that, it's it's unparalleled to any other anime. I don't think we talk about another anime anime as much as we talk about Tanaka Kun in general. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah, it's probably so our number one I referenced anime. Probably. Yeah. And it's also funny because it's our number one episode for the podcast. Yeah. And so. I think that's a testament to what the anime is in general. So this is probably one of the main plugs we're going to make throughout this or just for this episode in general. But if there's any anime that you should watch... From this, go watch Tonica Kun. If you haven't heard of it, give it a shot. You will laugh your ass off through all 12 episodes. And that is why, hands down, it takes our best comedy of 2020. Yeah. And it was a complete it, coincidence that we ended up choosing it as well. Yeah, because I'm a fucking idiot and couldn't watch Spirited Away. Because that's what we were supposed to cover. Mm. And I couldn't figure out a way to watch it legally. Yeah. So and I so just Blue went... just randomly stumbled across it and was like, hey, we should watch this instead. So I was like, I'm game. Yeah, because normally at least one of us has seen at least part of a show that we cover. And with Tanaka-kun, it's the only show I think that we have 
cupboard that neither of us had any clue about what it was. Mm -hmm. Agreed. And so I just sat down, saw it on Crunchy, was like, okay, sounds funny. Let's give it a shot. And yeah, it's it's become one of our favorite animes of, of all time. Mm -hmm. Next category. This one's all you, mate. All me? Are we doing isekai or drama? Decide. Ooh, okay. I, I'm staring uh, at the spreadsheet, so I'm good for either one. I don't have to flip pages for this. <laughs> so next category, I'm going to go with one that has a controversial answer to it. Although actually, probably the next two both have a little bit of controversial answer because I chucked in some, some odd ones. But yeah, let's go with best isekai. Starting off with ReZero. Second nomination, Dr. Stone. Third nomination, Wise Man's Grandchild. And fourth, Spirited Away. Now, first <laughs> things first. Yeah. Why did you even put Wise Man's Grandchild on here? Because I couldn't think of another isekai that we had covered. And, you know, I thought about it. I thought about just filling out this whole category myself because there are very, very few isekais that we've actually covered and in fact you and i had to have a talk after we did wise man's grandchild and re-zero both back to back we're like oh my god we're doing too many yeah did we but... do shield hero or did i just watch shield hero you just watched shield hero i ha i've had it scheduled twice this year and i've changed it in favor of other things mm -hmm. but i feel like we really need to sit down and cover it at some point because i think the second season's coming out next year yeah so we need to we need to sit down and watch that at some point. Yeah, because I was trying to think. Of, I feel like we always think that we have like so many isekais covered, but we actually don't. You see, I knew we didn't have that many covered, which is why I felt like this was a really odd category to add on here. Mm -hmm. However, I figured best isekai would lead to better conversations than best sports anime. Yeah. Well, we just recently covered like... all of our sports animes, and in, I think, our final sports anime coverage, I think we talked about our favorite sports anime, so... I think so. Mm-hmm. Plug for sports but... month. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you like sports animes, go check out our recent episodes. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, reason why. So, yeah, we I, I was looking through our, our episode list of things that we've covered, and I was trying to find another isekai, and I couldn't find any, so I chucked in Wise Man's Grandchild. I do really like the massive overpowered element that there is to Wise Man's Grandchild, and there is a super sweet, um, a little bit of a romance in there. It's a really soft isekai, if that's a thing. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, but... it's not, it's not memorable. It's not great, but it is a comfy show to watch on a, on a rainy day. You know? Well, this is also the anime that you earned your nickname from. Which nickname? Skip John. Skip John. Oh, yeah, it is. Yep. Yep. I remember that. <laughs> That's where the running joke of you skip everything started. Yeah. If it's slightly embarrassing, I skip it. If it's slightly annoying, I skip it. If it's the ED, I skip it. <laughs> The ED, definitely, but anything that you would even remotely consider cringe is immediately skipped. Is skipped, yeah. So I say that it's a comfy show, but I can't guarantee that because if there was anything embarrassing in it, I didn't watch that bit, so. Mm -hmm. Now, there are two on here that I think are definitely questionable topics on here. You and I both put a topic of discussion on this section. Yeah, can they be considered isekai? Because you have Dr. Stone and Spirited Away. Yeah. So it's funny that you and I both have talking point anime on here. Mm -hmm. 
Because, again, both of these, depending on how you want to look at it. Are don't, or are, are they, not. Yeah. Yeah, they technically, I think from a genre perspective, are not technically isekais. However, if you take the very basic definition of isekai, they kind of are. So it depends on how you want to look at it. Yeah. So Spirited Away is the young. story of a young girl who gets brought into the spirit realm. Mm-hmm. And then you have Dr. Stone, which is the story of a high school teenager that is absolutely brilliant, but gets petrified, turned to stone, and then a time fast gap. forward 3,700 years yeah. to where it is a new world. Whereas the definition of an isekai is starting life in another world, not a tagline for ReZero. Yeah. So can they technically both be considered isekai? Maybe. I feel... And it's a just... It's... Uh, it's debatable. It's an, it is. It really is debatable. But it makes our category easier because under the definition of which is truly an isekai and which is our favorite, I think the answer is pretty easy. It is, without a doubt, re-zero. Yeah, 100%. However... Don't I... get me wrong. Spirited Away is my absolute favorite Chibli film of all time. Exactly. It And it is... Probably Mind of Blue's biggest talking point going into this episode as well, because you could theoretically break open the entire genre of isekai and almost say that every Chibli film is in some shape, form, or fashion an isekai. Yeah, well, you could definitely make an argument for Children Who Chase Lost Voices and Spirited Away that we both covered this year as being isekai. Totoro, mm. My Neighbor Totoro, I think, is less likely. It- Technically, but... And Kiki's Delivery Service, I wouldn't say is. No, absolutely not. Yeah, but I think Treasure Chaseless Voices and Spirited Away could both be argued. I don't know if there's any other movies that we covered that could be. Uh, don't think so. Maybe, maybe Your Name? Because they're kind of in different worlds, but they never I just consider that more time travel. Time travel, yeah, that's what I was thinking, which is kind of the argument for Dr. Stone, is it's effectively time travel but dr stone is i think more more along the lines of a true isekai and that it is a brand new world yeah whereas your name is i think a version of quantum entanglement yeah which we will get into in our next category mm. so yeah re-zero best isekai because it's the only one that can truly be well other than wise mouse grandchild but it's not as good <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely not no. anywhere near as good. It's adorable, but hands down, as far as an isekai goes, nothing tops ReZero. Well, Wise Man's Grandchild, the season that we covered as well, was very much a setup for next stuff. It, it, it Nothing really happened in the first season that was designed to make you hook to the show, really. It was more set-up establishment. It was like, okay, it's set-up and establishment, but if you never get a second season, you'll forget about it. By the time it happens anyway. Yeah, 100%. But I figured I'd check it in there. Yeah. Yeah. So, next category, best drama. Mm. You have Rascal Does Not Dream of Bunny Girl Senpai, ReZero, Given, and The Promised Neverland. Mm. So I'm the one who... I... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I definitely believe that all four of these should be here. And in fact, if I made out this whole category myself, I believe these four are probably the four that I would have picked. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you go. 
Well, I was just thinking that I don't know that you would necessarily consider The Promised Neverland a drama, but it's definitely dramatic. It definitely has some drama elements to it, although I just don't think it truly classifies as a drama. However, for a good fourth pick, I think it definitely belongs. Mm -hmm. But I definitely don't think it's truly going to be in the running compared to the other three. Yeah, just because it's not an entire safe fit for the category. Mm -hmm. Although I think for this category itself, we may have two winners. Oh. Because I... Could stand to see why Given has a really good shot at winning it. Mm-hmm. However, my personal pick in that I will argue to the very ends of the earth about would be Bunny Girl Senpai. Yeah. Yeah, Roscoe Does Not Dream of Bunny Girl Senpai is really interesting because it fits into so many categories. It's a horror, thriller, romance, drama, like, etc. <laughs> it is a slice of life that covers a lot of real life topics. Yeah. Like quantum physics, quantum entanglement, uh, a lot of psychological aspects along with puberty syndrome. And it just, it has a way of invoking so many emotions that it's just, it's hard to argue against. However, given in and of itself. It's a true drama. Yeah, it's a true drama. It covers a it covers a lot and it's definitely a standout show on its own amongst everything else that we've covered mm-hmm. this year. And that it was my first true BL anime that I've ever watched mm-hmm. and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah. I was definitely surprised by it and even I think during that final performance I got a little emotional over it. I'm not going to lie. Mhm. However, it just did not impact me in a way that Bunny Girl Senpai did. Yeah, so it really comes down to your definition of the category in voting between the two. Because I agree, I think it comes down to those two. ReZero is fantastic, but I don't think it's a good example of drama. I think the second season does a lot better on the drama scale. Mm -hmm. But again, in this case, it's going to cover both Mm -hmm. seasons. So therefore, I think it's out. Yeah. So this is one of those very few categories that I think I would be fine if we have a split decision on. Yeah. I f- yeah, I agree. If you're sold on Given. Because I feel like Given is the best example of a drama, but ReZero is a better show. Uh, You mean Bunny Girl Senpai. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but Bunny Girl Senpai <laughs> is a better show. I, But even from a drama perspective, in my opinion, I think Bunny Girl Senpai does a better job with it. Because I felt myself constantly needing more because I wanted to know what developments were going to happen next, especially as the puberty syndrome and everything else continued. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can understand that. So we're going to break all convention on this one and give it to both. Give it to both. Yeah. So next category, then we have one of the things that we've been both working on ourselves over the past years, voice acting. We have our best voice acting performances. So we're starting off with... From ReZero, we have Subaru, who is voiced by Sean Chiplock for the English voice, and Yusuke Kobayashi for the Japanese voice. For Your Lion April, we have Kaori, uh, voiced by Erika Lindbeck for the English voice, and Risa Tanada for the Japanese voice. For Dr- Demon Slayer, we've got Inosuke f- uh, for uh, Bryce... Papenbrook, I'm sorry if I'm getting these names horribly wrong, <laughs> from the English voice, and Yoshitsugu Motsuoka, Motsuoka, sure, for the Japanese voice. 
And then we have, from Tanaka Kun is always listless, Miyano, who is voiced only in the Japanese voice by Takamori Natsumi. So, Brad, you nominated, you put forth Subaru from ReZero and Kiori from Yule in April, and I agree with both of those choices, so I chucked in two voices that I thought were... The, two voices that really stuck in my brain, and they were just mm-hmm. really like unique voices that when I thought of, oh, anime voices, those those were like two of the ones that I thought of that just stuck in my brain as opposed to being necessarily like really good voice actors, because of course there are a ton of good voice actors in all the animes that we've covered so far. But to me, those two just stood out because of their uniqueness of the character and the voices that were paired with the character and the fact, yeah, they just like stuck in my brain. So as far as my two picks, because Mm -hmm. I truly wanted to actually sit down and get a voice actor and a voice actress Mm -hmm. for each because I truly do believe that they both deserve or both deserve a a, fuck whatever I'm trying to say anyway so but also I had a thought of I wanted to go with picks that truly did a phenomenal job with both the English dub and the Japanese sub as well Mm -hmm. so in my opinion as someone who has seen the dub and sub for ReZero, Your Lion April, and Demon Slayer, because although I know a Tanaka-kun dub exists, it's not readily available. Mm-hmm. So I don't have an opinion on Miyano other than the sub, but Miyano is phenomenal and I absolutely love her character and her voice actress that did her in the sub was absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I immediately have to knock out Inosuke. Yeah. Because the English dub of Inosuke does not fit his character, in my opinion, at all. Yeah, so the reason why I nominated him is because I think it's pretty well known in our circle here that I do not watch the English dubs, mainly Mm -hmm. because I find them really hard to concentrate on. I find that the subtitles actually help me focus on the show as someone with ADHD, as opposed to watching them with the English voices, I find it a lot harder to focus on the show and I will get distracted whilst watching because I don't have to focus on multiple things. But if I'm reading the subtitles Mm -hmm. and watching the show, I find that I'm more zoned in. So it's why anime is one of my favorite mediums to watch because I actually pay attention. (laughs) And I can can definitely see that. And I think the sub-actor for Inosuke, they could not have done a better job picking a voice for him. Mm-hmm. It is 100% a phenomenal shout, hands down. Mm-hmm. But again, just because of the dub actor and nothing against the actor because he does phenomenal work. I just don't think he was a good fit for Nosuke, in my opinion. So you think it's a casting issue as opposed to a, a voice acting issue? I think it's a casting issue versus a voice or just a translation issue in general. Mm-hmm. Because if I had to go in and choose a voice actor that I think could do a better job, in my opinion, of playing the role and being the amount of just wild crazy that Inosuke is, the voice actor that does Beerus in Dragon Ball Super, whose name escapes me right now, but any other time I could tell you, I think could do that wild-mannered craziness a bit better. Mm-hmm. But again, that's my own opinion. I'm an idiot. I'm surprised actually you don't have anyone from My Hero nominated here. You see, immediately, anytime I think of an English dub actor that I think could do anything, 
you know immediately my brain's going to go to Chris Sabat. Mm -hmm. Because that man is voice dreams. But, again, it's there's not anyone on that cast that I can think of off the top of my head that I think just fits that role better. Mm -hmm. But again, I'm an idiot. But yeah, from a sub and dub perspective, I, I don't know. You don't know? Yeah, it's a tough category. I I think I'm going to back Kaori. You see, I, I'm truly torn because, and again, both of these were my picks. Mm-hmm. And I... Subaru but, and Kiori both have as characters severely, like, huge moments of anguish, where they're both mm -hmm. going through extreme torment and pain and suffering. And and both Voice actors, actors do a fantastic job. Mm -hmm. uh, Are we having another yeah, split decision right after our last split decision? <laughs> no, because I... Uh... I mean, if we want to have one voice actor and one voice actress, yes. There we go, yeah. <laughs> but if I had to actually sit down and pick one or the other, I'd have to go with Cowdy yeah. on, on it. Just because it's, uh, like, emotionally, I want to go with Subaru just because I've, just because of everything that happened in seasons one and two and just the amount of anguish. But my heart will always belong to your line, April, and Cowdy just... Ugh. There's something about Kyori's voice that I find really draws you into the quiet moments. And I think that's the most important part of a voice actor for me is, is to not make it dull and uninteresting during the downtimes. Because obviously mm -hmm. when things, emotions are high and drama is happening, you tend to be more involved in the show anyway because of the, you know, the soundtrack and, and the animation and the storyline and everything's built up around that area. But if someone can take just hanging out in a classroom and make that really entertaining via their voice, mm. that takes real talent from a voice actor, I feel like. Agreed. And, and again, it just... Yeah, that's what tips the scale for me, Fikuori. And from that perspective as well, I think it definitely has to tip it, in my opinion, as well. Because mm -hmm. from a just normal speaking perspective, especially during season one, Subaru's annoying. Yeah. I love his character because it's great and it's hilarious and cringy. But the actor truly or shines as the character in the emotional moments. Mm -hmm. So for 100% of the time, Cowdy wins hands down there we go easy pickings next category is your turn i believe it is and also for some reason i feel like you just want me to do this one anyway because i'm a helpless sappy romantic you so. are you are sappy romantic so best couple mai and sakuta from bunny girl senpai hiro and zero two from darling in the frox erina and soma from Food Wars, and Uenoyama and Sato from Given. Yeah. Thoughts. Would you like to, I was going to say, would you like to give your thoughts first? Because I am going to have to have a knockdown drag out brawl for oh, my two. Okay. Okay. Uh, so I agree with Brad's decisions. And I, you guys know me, I'm not romantic. I don't do, I don't do romance stuff. I don't do romance <laughs> stuff in real life. I don't do romance stuff in anime. I don't do re romance stuff in general. It makes me cringe. I find it gross. I, <laughs> not my scene. If anyone you know, can... in real life, I'm the, I'm the same way. Like, I don't like romantic stuff in real life. I, I'm a single sappy little bitch. Yeah. 
No. So, but in anime, I love a good romance, mm. hands down. It is one of my favorite genres, especially a rom-com. You give me a rom-com and I'm a happy son of a bitch. Yeah, no, I find it cringe and I don't like it. So, <laughs> so this was a very challenging category for me. Brad made it easier by checking in Bunny Girl Senpai and Darling of the Frogs. So that left me with, uh, well, one that is a romance. So given with easy to pick because it was a romance and mm-hmm. two with food wars we just recently covered the fifth season and it's probably one of the most shipped couples of the recent years mm-hmm. oh yeah for modern anime i would have to say it is one of the most but especially in just a food anime scene in general it is the most shipped couple yeah and as far as the given one goes. It definitely came to mind as a solid third place pick yeah. for me mm-hmm. But whenever I sat down and made out my three. But again, for me personally, it just did not make my top two, mm-hmm. which is why I I figured you would go for it. Mm-hmm. This is, again, for me personally, it just did not make it into my top two. Yeah, and I can see so that. that's why I didn't pick it. I can see that. You gave me given earlier, so I'm good with it. <laughs> I say I don't like romance, and I was the one who pitched Given, and I really like the show, but that's, yeah. And it was a really good show. It's and one it of those definitely... ones that I can only watch, like, once every five years, even though I've watched it twice in less than five years. But, yeah. you know, it's, like, it's not going to be one that I watch frequently because it is a lot for me to handle. But, uh, yeah, I do like the show. But as far as, uh, as far as my two picks, it's it's a really hard it's a hard topic for me to try to sit here and cover mm-hmm. because I'm fresh off watching the Bunny Girl Senpai movie, which again, should not apply to this, mm-hmm. but my emotions are very high mm-hmm. because of it. But again, just the couple in general during the show, it's truly just a show of a young romance trying to find their way in a crazy fucked up world. Yeah. And everything else that goes on is just finding ways to grow and persevere with one another. Whereas Darling in the Bronx, it is a childhood love story come true. Yeah. It's it's an incredibly hard one for me to try to sit here and break down and discuss. But if I had to just really give it to one, it would have to be Hero and Zero Two. Really? I vote opposite you. I vote mine Sakato. So I guess for me, the reason I gave it to... Hero and Zero Two is because it, you know, for one, childhood, you know, mm-hmm. crush and everything fully coming to light. But also those two, and again, I know we talked about the first 15 episodes being canon and the last nine not being canon. Mm-hmm. But if you take into account, they literally fought with one another to the death and then got reincarnated and found each other again in the new world. And that, to me, just truly puts the icing on the cake. Now, for 2021, Mai and Sakata, unless we cover something that's going to blow me out of the water, Mai and Sakata win 2021 hands down already. <laughs> I'm throwing major spoilers out. I am voting Roscoe Does Not Dream of Bunny Girl Senpai mainly because they're not as cliche. And I think they're more realistic. They're more real. They're more relatable. I feel like as a couple, they're more human. But I feel like Darling and the Franks gave both characters more growth. Uh-huh. Because in Bunny Girl Senpai, 
Sakata is the main one who got growth, whereas Darling and the Franks, both of them, got growth. Uh, I think we're going to have to agree to disagree on this one. Yeah, I, I think we're just going to have to have two winners two on winners. this one. Yeah, because I, yeah. Yeah, I feel like Bunnigale Senpai is, has that level of re- relatability that just makes it, you know, they're not promising that they're going to be together for eternity, and something about that just seems more appealing to me. Wait till you watch the movie. Oh, God. Am I, <laughs> am I going to go back on everything I just said? I like the fact that Whoa. they're normal people. I, I can agree with that, but but Blue Blue obviously has something against dino girls. However, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. I don't have a dino onesie, but I do have a shark onesie. And sharks are around the same time as dinosaurs, so... So what I'm hearing is... Sharks are the frogs wins. <laughs> what I'm hearing is sharks are my favorite animal in the world, and I have... Uh, that is... That is definitely true. Uh, Have you seen the uh, Hololive YouTuber that's a shark? Yeah, my brother showed me as soon as he he found her. He's like, oh my god, look, 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 shark. And I'm like, that's amazing. I want. <laughs> Honestly, though, you should figure out how to do that and then bring that back for your streams. <laughs> Just be a shark. Whenever you decide to go back to streaming, please. I think that would be the most fitting thing for you. Oh, I freaking love sharks. I have I have too many sharks around around my <laughs> around my house from just hoarding them. I can 100% agree that. Yeah. Agree with that. <laughs> Next category, we have best fight scene. First, starting off, we have Tanjiro versus Ryu from Demon Slayer. Then we have Rebels versus Central from Food Wars. We have Kuroko and Kagami versus Mirurima from Kuroko no Basuke season one. And we have the final fight from My Hero Academia, Heroes Rising, the film that came out. Thoughts, go. This was a really fucking hard one. Yeah, genuinely, I had such a hard time choosing two categories. Choosing two for the category. You see, part of me really wanted to go solely with Demon Slayer and My Hero, just because they were the only true fight scenes. Yeah. However, from a... Just from an overall perspective, with it could technically be considered a fight, although not with fisticuffs... Mm. But also, just truly with stakes and everything else on the line, I felt like the battle between the Rebels and Central in Seasons 3 and 4 of Food Wars, there's just so much more at stake and so much more to be emotionally vested in, in that the final fight in My Hero, it does get you ramped up, but that's because it's a shonen. That's what it's going to do. It's a film that's not canon, so it doesn't add anything to the overall story of my hero. So although, you know, you care about the film, but it doesn't make you care about the show itself anymore, in my opinion. I 100% agree with that. It's another reason why I actually added Kuroko no Basuke. I wanted to make sure I included a sports anime in this category because of the fact that it is a fight. And out of all of the sports animes that we considered, that we watched, I feel like this is the only one that had a direct villain persona in it because although there was in free the anti-hero turned pro- protagonist towards the end so mm-hmm. i feel like Kurokonobasuke, although midorima does kind of have a frenemy relationship with them towards the end he's still more of a villain than i would say in free well i i can agree with you going with Kurokonobasuke for best fight scene Do you however disagree with this one I disagree with your pick. Okay, which one would you go with? I think uh, Midorima and Almine, Blondie and Black-Headed One. Kisei and Almine? 
Yes. Yeah. I think those two, for those final three episodes, had a much better impact and a much better fight. I actually agree with you, but what made me choose Kuroko and Kagami versus Medorima is that I felt like I should go with the main characters. You see, sometimes I feel like the main characters don't necessarily have to play a role for it to have the most impact in a show. Yeah, but also- Because I'm much more emotionally invested. invested in- the last one than this one. Although this one had a huge impact on the show and on the characters in general, and a lot of growth came from it. I I don't know. It's just for me, I don't think it takes the best fight scene okay. for the show. We can switch it out with Amine then, because it was between the two of them that I was debating on. I knew I wanted to go with Kuroko, but I didn't know which fight scene to go with, which game. And I knew I didn't want to go with Kuroko and Kagami versus Aomine because they were absolutely obliterated in that. Spoilers. Mm-hmm. But, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, we, d- we should have chucked a spoiler chicken hat on in the very beginning. For all the shows, yeah. Yeah. But I also feel like, I don't know, it comes with the territory. Mm. But, and then as for my two, again, the whole final Shokugeki, Team Shokugeki, for one, lasted two whole fucking seasons. Mm-hmm. So one can't go wrong with that. But two, you and I have previously discussed on how for those two seasons, you can't stop watching. Like watching it week to week is excruciating because I think you and I both did that. Yeah, it's really not fun. Yeah, it's actually one of the only shows that had me continuously watching from week to week and not stopping, which Mm -hmm. is very challenging for me because I do just drop shows even though I'm really enjoying them. Because I can't binge them. This, the whole arc of Rebels vs. Central is captivating and intense and emotional. It's just whether or not you can truly classify it as a fight scene that well, makes I mean, me especially the team Shokugeki that starts at the end of season three mm. and goes all the way through season four, I think that could be considered a scene because it yeah. is one fight, one whole tournament arc. Mm hmm. Even though it spans 13, 14 episodes, I still think it could technically be considered, you know, just one fight. Mm-hmm. Technically. But even then, if you can't technically cl- classify that as one fight, you can definitely classify Eren and Soma and their last fight within that competition, their very last Shokugeki, as a fight scene. But at the same time, though... I don't consider that last Shokugeki in Food Wars to truly, I don't know, like, although I loved it, it was underwhelming. Mm, I can see that. And then, finally, one of the best animated fight scenes of the past couple of years, in my opinion, Tanjiro and Rui from Demon Slayer. Yeah, I back this 100%. I feel like the animation style, the music, the setup, the emotional attachment, the way that it ends, the colors, the intrigue, the everything, to me, makes it difficult to want to choose anything else. Yeah, hands down, I think this takes the cake for me as well. Yeah. Because it just, man... I don't know what else to say. You know, it's like... Oh, like, hands down. And the theme that plays at the end of episode 19, whenever Tanjiro's doing his flame breathing, Mm. and you think that he has finally beheaded one of the lower six, and just every part of that, and then Nezuko finally using her secret 
demon blood arc thing. It was just, there's so much to love about it. And I can still hear that song play in my head. And whenever you hear it, it's just pure emotion. And oh, it's so good. The build up to this scene was so fantastic that mm-hmm. when it finally came to its peak every, and everything slotted into place, it was so satisfying. Agreed. And again, it's every individual piece of Demon Slayer that we've talked about is going to kind of play its part whenever we get to our talks for anime of the year. But again, it just, it was phenomenal. There's hands down, it has to take my fight scene of the year. I agree. Especially considering the way that it ended gives you such a understanding of the way of the world that they're in. Because you think things are going a certain way with the character, and I'm trying to say this in ways that won't spoil it, but yeah, you think things are going a certain way, but it ends, and when it ends, it just slaps you in the face with realism of being like, okay, yeah, but no. Because Demon Slayer is one of the, if not the only shonen that I can think of off the top of my head that is not just a overpowered main character that can always get a power up and bail himself out of situations. Yeah. This is truly grounded in you have to work your ass off and do your best, but even then, your best is not going to be good enough in certain situations. And that is the true slap of realism that I think just truly sets Demon Slayer, and more specifically, this fight scene apart from everything else in this category. Agreed. So, winner. Yeah, winner. Hands down. Yeah, Demon Slayer. Tanjiro versus Ruri. Yeah, I think it's a, a, I think a lot of people would agree with that. Yeah, I could, I could definitely see it. I don't foresee a lot of people arguing over that one. Mm-hmm. Next one's going to be interesting. Oh, agreed. Because looking at the list that's on there, three out of the four, hands down, are going to be topics of debate. Yeah, yeah. So, we're going on to best music score with Your Lay in April, Your Name, Kids on the Slope, and, shockingly, Kurokono Basuke. One of these things is not Not like like the other. (laughs) Yeah, could you guess that I couldn't think of a fourth? (laughs) Your name. That one was your pick, right? (laughs) It was your name. No, just kidding. It was your lay in April. No, um, yeah, Kurokono Basuke. The only reason why I included that in this category is because I remember watching the show. It was actually a toss-up between Kurokono Basuke and All Out that I wanted to include in here. Because I remember watching the show and I remember during intense moments of sport playing music playing that affected my emotions during the show. And that's why I wanted to include it. I don't think that the music score is amazing. I think the music score for Kuroko is dated. It definitely makes it so that you know when the show was made. But, because there's a lot of dubstep in there. It is, is it? Or is that free that has dubstep? See, this is the thing, is that I don't remember it, but I remember it affecting my emotions. And that's why I wanted to give it a shout out. It's definitely not one of the most impactful music animes that we've covered because it's not a music anime but i did want to give sports animes a shout out in general because i do think that their music definitely affects the way you feel during the play but again specifically because of the last category and the fight scene that we just talked about demon slayer could also be a shout here Mm -hmm. agreed for that same reason but yeah now do you want to and now as far as mine goes i if you've listened to all the episodes leading up to this point you know how much both your lie 
and your name mean to me. Mm-hmm. Now, <clears throat> granted, just like you did with Kuderko, I'm going to go ahead and explain my reasoning for choosing your name, although I know that's not going to be the two biggest topics of debate for this one. Mm-hmm. Radwimps did a phenomenal job with the soundtrack of your name and weathering with you as well. You know it takes a lot for one of the best anime directors of all time to just be like, here, you have full creative control over the music in the anime. Go. Yeah. And I think that says a lot about the band and their creative direction. And I have the soundtracks for Your Line April, Your Name, and Kids on the Slope all downloaded on my phone, and I enjoy listening to all of them. Mm -hmm. However, I feel like the strongest topic of debate for this one could be made for both Your Lion April and Kids on the Slope because both of them are true music anime and they both have the deepest emotional connection to both you and I. Yeah, I did heavily debate putting Given in this category, but I don't think that Given holds up on the emotional standpoint compared to Your Lion April and Kids on the Slope from the music. It is obviously a more impactful soundtrack than something like uh, Kuroko no Basuke, but I did want to include Kuroko no Basuke because of the shaping that I find music has in categories that you don't normally consider music to be in. So it was more of a a wild card shout out just to give a shout out to animes that aren't music animes that use music as an emotional manipulation tactic because it does definitely help with setups for intense scenes. Given obviously does a better job of that because it is a music anime, but I wanted to include something that wasn't a music anime to prove my point. Mm-hmm. And I was very tempted to throw in Fuka in with my picks as well. Yeah. Because it is, as from a manga perspective, is one of, if not my favorite music overall type of setups of all time. Mm-hmm. But again, the difference of the manga and the anime, that's a topic for another time. However, as far as overall score for a show... And that's background music and everything else included. I feel like for my two picks, it had to come down to your line April and your name and then your pick of Kids on the Slope as well. Mm -hmm. However, in my opinion, because of background music and everything else included, I think your line April has to take the cake for best music score because background music and everything else included, I think it just makes the... I think it helps boost the show and benefit the show more than just the musical tracks that the characters themselves play. I think that this is really hard to choose between Your Lion April and Kids on the Slope because Your Lion April, like Brad said, has a lot of... Well, they both have very heavy emotional attachment to the music and they both have a lot of songs that are repetitive mm-hmm. that are played throughout the, the show. So it's not even like you can say there's more variety in one over the other. Because I don't think there is. No. But for me, Kids on the Slope had a has a more like immediately sparking connection to it than Your Lay in April. I know that when you hear certain tracks, you automatically think Your Lay in April. When I get that same reaction with Kids on the Slope, and I don't necessarily get it with Your Lay in April. That could just be that I played classical music before I watched Your Lion April on the piano. Like, I I used to play piano myself. So it was more familiar. So I have memories attached to those pieces myself. And thus, 
they're not as unique. But it also could be that I find that there are a lot more animes that are based in classical music and classical piano than there are jazz. And my, another reasoning, because musical score also takes into account the OPs and EDs as well. Mm. And the OP and ED for Kids on the Slope, for me, because although I do have an emotional connection to that show as well, because, again, it takes a lot for a show to just make me, or just emotionally wreck me, and Kids on the Slope fucking wrecked me. Mm-hmm. But the OP and the ED are not memorable to me. I'd agree with you on that. And in fact, the OP, if I'm not mistaken, annoyed me. Yeah, I'd agree with you on that. I'm, I'll am i give it to Yola and April for that, but I do feel like if we're going to compare emotional scene to emotional scene, for me, the... Uh, the, the scene of them playing in the auditorium in Kids on the Slope is more impactful to me than the scene of Kiori joining him on the on, on the piano in the final scene of, of Your Lane April. And You're going to disagree see, with me on that. Yeah. The reason I'm going to disagree is because I'm solely basing it off of the musical score itself throughout the entire anime from OP and ED to background music to the actual main tracks of the show itself, Mm -hmm. is that that's why, in my opinion, I think Your Lion April takes it. Because from a full, just 100% musical perspective, I think that everything is flawless. Whereas Kids on the Slope, for the fact of the OP and ED, and also just the background music itself throughout the show, places it in second place but everything else outside of that makes it a really close second in my opinion yeah i'll agree with you on that so yola and april first kids on the slope second but kids on the slope is still better in my opinion (laughs) and again this is you and i arguing over our basically our two favorite anime of all time yeah we're never gonna agree on that it's just no we never will but just from the musical score itself I think your line April has to take it. I can give you that. I, I do have a, a more of an emotional attachment to Kids on the Slope, but I do agree with you about the OP and ED that on Kids on the Slope, the the OP wasn't great. And and yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's reason enough, to be honest, because it's such a close race that mm-hmm. the smallest thing can can eliminate a person from the runnings. It it really can. Yeah. Now, for this next category, do we also want to include just animation in general? And with it, would that change what you have picked? or It would actually change what I have picked, because the two that I picked, I picked specifically for their character design. So do we want to just BS a best animation category as well? I'd go with anything Ghibli. <laughs> Studio Ghibli. Anything. And you see, I feel like my overall pick for this one would... Just go in with the with that one as well. But we'll we'll talk to we'll we'll figure it out. So our next category is character design, mm-hmm. with the nominations being Your Lion April, Violet Evergarden, Tokyo Ghoul, and Spirited Away. Yeah. So my two, I chucked in Tokyo Ghoul and Spirited Away specifically because I feel like those two, out of everything that we've covered, have characters that are so well recognized. Tokyo Ghoul with the mask and the the teeth and (laughs) it's like immediate. You see it everywhere, especially with the pandemic. How many Tokyo Ghoul masks have been made? A lot. Yeah. It's, It's so recognizable. It's so known. 
And Spirited Away is the same thing. You look at the, I mean, no face and, and like, it, you just see them and you think, oh, I know exactly where that's from. I did debate Totoro, My Neighbor Totoro as well in, in this one, but I think Spirited Away has more immediately recognizable characters. But you see, I feel like it has more recognizable characters, but you can't place them as well. To where if we're going solely off of that, I feel like Tokyo Ghoul would have to take the cake. I could agree with you, but I feel like there's less noticeable characters in Tokyo Ghoul. Yeah, but uh, the parts of it themselves, I feel like it's easier to place it to the show. Mm. Versus Chibli is Chibli at the end of the day. Yeah. And so if you see anything that's even remotely that style, Miyazaki is going to be the first thing that comes to mind. But trying to place it to the individual film that it's a part of, I feel like would be more difficult. I could see that. Now, as for my picks, Your Line April, I kind of struggled with because I, just again, the emotional attachment to it. But also, I feel like each individual character had their own personality. The animation style and everything on the characters kind of made it, especially with the little chibi changes in between. Mm -hmm. But really, I think my pick out of the two that I had to sit down with was Violet Evergarden. Because the detail and everything that went into the characters, the animation on them, and especially with the way Violet herself was designed with the auto male arms and everything, it is just the absolute peak of animation for everything that we've covered this year. Violet Evergarden, I would say, has the best costume design. Oh, 100%. Like, that's, yeah. The thing that I think makes me feel like Spirited Away is better at character design than Violet Evergarden is the uniqueness of the characters of Spirited Away, whereas in the facial structure of Violet Evergarden, they're kind of generic. You see, I I would be willing to agree on Tokyo Ghoul. Yeah? But if you're going to put your... I can I can back Tokyo Spirited Ghoul. Away, then I would have to stick with Violet Evergarden on it. I can back with Tokyo Ghoul because I feel like Tokyo Ghoul and Violet Evergarden have the same level of unique costume design. I just feel like that Violet Evergarden, because it's got that level of uh, like retro <laughs> Victorian vibe to it, you it's more memorable than Tokyo Ghoul in general. Like for multiple because there's more costume changes. I feel like in Violet Evergarden than there is in Tokyo Ghoul. Mm-hmm. If it were pure, if it were in a pure animation perspective, I think Violet Evergarden would basically trump everything, in my opinion, just because of how absolutely stunning the animation is. But from just noticeability and everything else that kind of comes along with it, I think Tokyo Ghoul would have to take the cake out of all of these. I am also going to back Tokyo Ghoul. I feel like the amount of merchandise, the amount of people that just immediately know it, people that don't know anime know the design. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I feel like for character design, Tokyo Ghoul is just the most memorable. I can I I can agree with that. Mm-hmm. Next category. Now, do you have to give us your best hero announcement on this one? Because I feel like we should do protagonist and then antagonist. Protagonist. Okie dokie. Give us your best All Might and go. Oh my god, no. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so best protagonist, we have Tanjiro from Demon Slayer, Subaru from ReZero, Senku from Dr. Stone, and Sakuta from A Rascal Does Not Dream of Bunny Girl Senpai. Now, three of these I put on here, whereas 
I feel like I added Senku just solely for the fact of I figured you would. Yeah, that's who I was going to add. So then I was stumped. Yeah. So I kind of, <laughs> I kind of stole your pick on that one. Oh, yeah. I can, I can, I can 100% agree with it. And again, that's why for a third pick, but also I struggled like having to only pick two. And again, that's why I just went ahead and put Senku on there. Cause I figured you would go along with it as well. Yeah. Senku was my, my top pick for this category, but when I turned up to put it in, he was already there. So yeah. Uh, I got Sen- you fam. Yeah. You know, my own brain. I feel like there's something so satisfying about Senku and his way of understanding. Mm-hmm. He's not one of those characters that ever has a point where he's annoying. Which is the exact reason why Deku is not here. Yeah, yeah, that's... uh, And don't get me wrong, I absolutely adore Deku. But it's just, from a pure, like, just overall perspective, I think all all four of these characters truly deserve to be here. Even Sakuta, just solely because of, you know, the role that he plays. And after you watch the film, I think you'll agree that it even has more of a reason to be on this list. Mm-hmm. However, I just think from a pure protagonist standpoint, I feel like he's out. Yeah, I can understand that. But Subaru, yeah, it's I find tough. annoying at times. You see, I can kind of get that, but yeah. once you truly, once you get into season two, he fully fits the protagonist role. Yeah, I can see that. But when you compare him up to Tanjiro and Senku, because he had that part of being annoying, he doesn't hold hold on par but he truly uh, i feel like he played his role to a t though because of who he was as a person and the way he grew into that role and that he's meant to be the protagonist but he actually grew into that role i think made him a good shout to kind of add in here and i also feel like there are times when senku is kind of an anti-hero yeah because he's only out for himself yeah he's not exactly a nice guy He's not. All he cares about is science and getting his own way and getting back to civilization. Although he, he is a cares nice about he's the a people nice guy that doesn't like them. to admit he's a nice guy. Yeah. Although he cares about the people that's around him, he also doesn't care to exploit them for his own gain. Yeah. Which is why I feel, in my opinion, Tanjiro takes the cake for best protagonist. Yeah, I'm going to back that. I would back that as well. And then for our next category... Best antagonist. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, I struggled with getting a good second on this one mm-hmm. because I... It's hard to find a true antagonist. A lot of people are antagonist turned supporting characters or, mm-hmm. you know, they're, especially when you consider things like Food Wars, like nobody's bad in Food Wars. They're bad for a bit and then they're good. <laughs> Yeah, Food Wars is a true Dragon Ball in yeah. the sense of people are enemies to start out with and then they become friends. Yeah. Whereas I had two dead ringers for best antagonist for this one had the ending of the first season of The Promised Neverland not swayed me. Because yeah. I really wanted to put Isabella on this list. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted to go Echidna and Isabella hands down, but just that last episode with her just letting the kids go at the very end, like she just kind of gave up trying to stop them and kind of sentenced herself to her own death. I just, at that point, I just couldn't willingly put her on the list. She's genuinely a really good shout though. She is a really good shout. It's just the way it all ended. I just couldn't. Mm. 
However, for our nominations, we have Echidna from ReZero. You also have Sukasa from Dr. Stone, just to kind of compliment Senku. Yubaba from Spirited Away and... Uh, Dead Men Wonderland. I'm not even going to try to pronounce that. Tsunenaga. Yeah, Tsunenaga. Tamaki, which he was the director, wasn't he? Uh, That's... I googled it and I I didn't remember his name, to be honest. But then there's uh, Rinichiro Hagiri as well. They were the, according to Wikipedia, the two antagonists of Dead Men Wonderland. Could you tell that I was struggling to find a fourth? Yeah, I could I could see that. Honestly, in my opinion, I think the category has to go to Echidna. Yubaba from Spirited Away is the most visually scary. From a visual perspective, yes. But again, the ending of the film kind of clears her. Whereas yeah. Echidna starts off sweet and helpful, and then she shows her true colors at the very end. Which and I think that's what truly makes her... Because the entirety of Spirited Away, you're led to believe that Satella, the Witch of Envy, is the big bad of the show. But then come to find out, it's not. It's Echidna Mm. all along. And so that's why I think from a true antagonist perspective, it's either Echidna or Tsukasa, in my opinion. Yeah, and Tsukasa's kind of still a pretty one-dimensional character because he hasn't had much chance to flesh out his evilness yet Mm -hmm. whereas echidna she truly fleshed it out and just the animation on her during that like solid three minute monologue that was done in one take by the way so kudos to that voice actress she deserves all the props in the world Mm -hmm. but just solely off of that i feel like echidna has to take it just from a pure antagonist role yeah i will back echidna and then this next this next category, that's going to be tough. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, this is this is going to be an interesting shout. I wish, I'm not sure who the third one is, but I wish we could just give it to three of them right off the bat. It's Dr. Stone. Okay. I think it's all of the research. That's where that looks familiar. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just, tough, this huh? one sucks. <laughs> so the next category we have is Best Director, and Brad and I are going to struggle to discover, to decide who we think is is the best director. We have Brad's favorite, Makoto Shinkai. He goes on and on and on. (laughs) If you haven't heard about Makoto Shinkai, you haven't listened to us for very long, because, yeah, Brad's absolute favorite, right? Yes. Oh, yeah, hands down. And then Miyazaki is just timeless. Yep. Yep. And then we also have uh, Satozaki from Demon Slayer and Shinya Ino from Dr. Stone as well. So we've got four incredible directors here, two that are icons, one a classic icon, one a modern classic. We have one that put in so much scientific research and another that combined music and animation and storytelling to create one of the biggest shows of modern history so and what is about to be the biggest film of all time that is a that has already shattered anything that shinkai has done in the box office but is about to shatter what miyazaki has accomplished in the box office as well yeah it's tough category it it sucks man yeah 
Yeah, I definitely wanted to include the director for Dr. Stone purely because of the sheer amount of scientific research. Obviously the author of the manga had to put in a butt ton of scientific research as well, but the fact that they carried that through into the anime, the fact that watching that behind the scenes video really helped un make you understand the amount of, of research that the entire team put into work. And I just have mad respect for the director for not flaking out on that. 100% agree. This... Mm. I think out of everything, as far as choosing one goes, this is the worst one of the bunch. Yeah. Yeah. Because every single one of these, in their own right, has a reason to deserve it. Yeah. Because Miyazaki is the founder museum. and creator. Yeah. Like, he is the founder and creator of Studio Ghibli. Yeah. His films are iconic. And will always be iconic. They've shaped Whereas, anime to be what it is today. Mm -hmm. And then Makoto Shinkai was the first director to break the Miyazaki trend as far as films are concerned and create something that has both visual or that are both great stories, but also push the boundaries of visual animation. Yeah, and he had because, changed the the kind of way that Miyazaki did everything because Miyazaki's are kind of they're all fairy tales they're all old legends and, and tales that you would tell to to children to warn them of things to teach them morals to you know shape their lives which are amazing but what Shinkai did was take that same inspiration and the way that he did everything and bring that into something that is more modern and and yeah more current and not only that, but the biggest reason I stand behind Shinkai all day long is just because of how absolutely stunning his films are. Mm. You, There's not a shadow of a doubt in my mind that out of anything and everything Blue and I have covered this year, Shinkai does not have the most visually stunning films out of anything that we've covered or visually stunning anything violet evergarden is beautiful but you just you cannot beat what shinkai does mm. yeah it's a tough choice uh, can we just can we just split vote it for shinkai and miyazaki and go on i'm honestly down for that because yeah it is it's a it's a classic and a modern classic and it's really hard to to choose between the two yeah, they, all four of these, absolutely 100% deserve to be in this category. Mm. And it's, uh, yeah, I, I want to cheap out on it because I I legitimately cannot choose between Shinkai and Miyazaki. However, I personally don't want to leave out Sotozaki just because of what Demon Slayer has done and is about to do. I feel like with Sotozaki, you know, though, they're both so... I mean, I'm saying they're both new to this, you know, they're not mm. new at all, but like compared to the other two that have this vast portfolio of incredible work, their incredible work is much smaller in comparison. Although now with Demon Slayer, the figures are incredible. It's still just Demon Slayer that you really pair to the name. Mm -hmm. And so Agreed. I feel like they need a little bit more time to just get more works under their belt and for us to be like, we're both super excited about future projects that they're going to do. And I think by the time Demon Slayer is fully done, he, he could very well just sit upon the throne of one of the best directors of all time, just because mm -hmm. of how much Demon Slayer still has left to do. As long as the anime is allowed to continue to mm -hmm. the manga's conclusion. 
Yeah. They're both very promising. We're excited for their futures. Yes. Also, for the next one, I had to add a last minute addition. Oh, would you want to go through the category then? Yes. So, for our next category, for best animation, our nominations are Demon Slayer, Violet Evergarden, Children Who Chase Lost Voices, My Neighbor Totoro, and Your Name. Now... Let me let me double check something mm-hmm. because I I'm having something pick at the back of my brain, <laughs> and because of this, if I am correct, okay, so I was correct, and because of this and because of this realization, Children Who Chase Lost Voices is a good shout, but I think it's beat by your name. Okay. Just because they're both Makoto Shinkai. Right. But I think your name just trumps it in animation. I disagree. Reason being, Children Who Chase Lost Voices is more unique to me. It's got that more magical, otherworldly, ugly aspect to it that your name doesn't have that appeals to me. See, that that I can understand. Mm. But again, just, again, in my opinion, animation style, you can't, you can't beat Shinkai. It's such a tough time. And again, My Neighbor Totoro iconic with this animation that's why i pitched it is because i feel like out of all of them other than perhaps demon slayer my neighbor totoro is probably the most purchased in the sense of stills screenshots paintings lunchboxes plushies like everything that they do the 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 shots of my neighbor totoro are seen consistently everywhere in pop culture in stores on people's walls it's so known and it's so visually appealing to such a large vast majority of people i feel like my neighbor Mm -hmm. totoro is much more palatable than children who chase lost voices even though they're the same level of weird agreed however just especially due to everything else going on right now in the film world and everything else i think best animation as far as what we have here it's really hard for me not to give it to demon slayer i agree because if you look at a lot of the success and everything else around it but do you think that in i don't know when was totoro made do you think in 50 years demon slayer is gonna be as is gonna hold up as well as my neighbor totoro has in the since since it's come out to now because of what it's doing as a just because of the history it's making, I could see it. Mm-hmm. Because I don't foresee anything stopping where Demon Slayer is going to go. Mm-hmm. So I can understand that. I, I feel, and in part, I think a lot of that has to do with the animation. I personally, I think you have gathered by now, I'm backing my neighbor Totoro, mainly because mass pop culture, like it's huge in pop culture, even to this day, you go in Hot Topic and there's Totoro stuff everywhere. To me, it's on the same level as those classic Disney films. It's never going to go out of fashion. It's never going to be not classic. It's never going to be not shown to young children. It's never going to not be beautiful. But I feel like trying to do best animation is such a broad topic because it really comes down to a choice of taste. And what you think from an animation perspective is the best. And so as far as what it's accomplished, Demon Slayer has, you know, out of all these, some of the best animation you'll ever see. 
But my personal preference out of all of them is your name, just because it is truly the most visually stunning animation out of everything on this list or out of everything that we have covered and out of every anime that I've ever seen. I can understand that. For me, for the history, I'm going Totoro. But does the history technically put it as best animation, though? I think so, because the animation that it was shaped animation from everything to this day. If you didn't have Totoro and you didn't have Studio Ghibli the way that it once was, you wouldn't have current animation now. You wouldn't have Shinkai. But is it Totoro itself or is it Studio Ghibli? I think a lot of it is Totoro because I feel like Totoro and Spirited Away are the two that come to people's minds. But here in North America, especially, I feel like Totoro is even more known than Spirited Away. You see, it's, again, I think it's another situation of Spirited Away like we talked about earlier in that there's so much from Totoro that is plastered everywhere. The soot sprites especially are just one of those that's just like you just can't unsee them. Like, soot sprites are everywhere. I have a Totoro music box. But again, it's another situation like No Face of, I feel like it's very well known, but could you truly place it to that one other than Totoro himself? I don't know. For me, for me, I see those stills and yeah, I feel like Totoro just takes the cake for me. It's just, it's one of those really odd situations of, I see where you're coming from, but this is one of those, again, we'll have to agree to disagree. I think we will. <laughs> So, tough, it's my tough. name is Totoro and your name. Because it's just, it's such an odd, it's so odd. Yeah. So shall we, Let's shall continue. we get into best boy, best girl. final three categories, yeah. our final three categories, but also probably the two most lighthearted ones that we have done. Yeah, I threw in a couple, a couple fun ones. Uh, you think? <laughs> the bottom of Best Boy. Why, why don't, I'll let you take both of these hey, that's from iconic. the top because you made it fun. He is iconic. Okay, you cannot, he is meme lord. He is everywhere. So well known. Oh, just as far as anime trap memes are concerned, he hands down, top of the board. I had to include him. I had to give him a shout out because of that. And if you haven't already clued in... We are talking about Felix from ReZero as a nomination for our best boy. We also have Deku from My Hero Academia, Tanjiro from Demon Slayer, and Sekizen from All Out. Thoughts? Tanjiro, man. Tanjiro. I, I, I just feel like out of everything that the stereotypical best boy is, I feel like Tanjiro takes the case with Deku being a very close second, but I feel like Tanjiro is just more lovable. Yeah, Deku's whiny in the first season, and that's hard to get past. Yeah. But- And then going forward, is just kind of one of those things. But Tanjiro, although this this boy had every reason to be a Deku. In fact, he had more reason to be a Deku than Deku himself. Mm-hmm. This man watched his family get slaughtered. His sister becomes a demon. This boy got absolutely had his world slaughtered in front of him and yet he literally grit his teeth and became a demon slayer and just overall like he never lost his humanity in any of it and it's just adorable like you i don't think it gets any better i feel like we have to give a a shout out to oh my god i literally just forgot his name (laughs) Ota from Tanaka? No, uh, no, well, yeah. But Zenitsu from Demon Slayer as well. 
I just think he's too whiny to be this He is boy, whiny, but opinion. I do want to give him a shout out for being secretly badass. Oh, yeah. Like, from a badass perspective, hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so my nominations were Felix from ReZero because of the, the memes, because of the fact that he is the most iconic trap, I feel like. And he is also a boy. He is not a girl. He is a boy. And I feel like he's a solid character as well. He's not incredibly whiny he's a solid or, character yeah. but because of the second season and how backpedly they kind of became with felix's character i feel like that's the only reason i can't take it serious in this category yeah i just felix feel like becomes just... very kind of selfish in the first couple of episodes of re-zero to where i can't take it seriously mm-hmm. i just wanted to give him a shout out because of the fact that he is so incredibly iconic on the internet right now and he has good fashion agreed Made cat girl that that ticks all the boxes for a certain friend of ours. <laughs> very true. Yeah, no, he's got good fashion. I wanted to give him a shout out, and he is yeah very iconically known as a trap. But I feel like we need to normalize that as well. Also, just tad political. Agreed. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, no, yeah. 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 And then second up from All Out because he's so stinking cute. I can agree for being the captain of a rugby team, and then wearing pink sakura t-shirts and being so incredibly buff and then try to hype up all of his teammates and then getting all squishy he's adorable yeah he's he's another good shout yeah i had to give him but a again shout out. i don't, i can't look at seki's head and be like best boy best man on the other hand best man. even though he's in high school i just look at him and i'm like he's huge i have a like jojo's bizarre adventure idea of a teenager it's like that's not a teenager that's yeah. man yeah but uh, yeah, I just uh, had to give him a shout out because he's adorable. But then the next category for best girl, that's tough. Yeah, it's real tough, huh? We've had a lot of characters this year that I think qualify in the best girl category. Mm-hmm. It was hard to truly sit down and try to narrow them down, but our... Nominees are Nezuko from Demon Slayer, Megumi from Food Wars, Ui from Kaon, and Mei Kusakabe from My Neighbor Totoro, the younger sister. I promise I didn't just choose Totoro throughout this, <laughs> but I had to give her a shout out because she's adorable and tiny, and she's like two years old, and I love that. And she just runs around chasing like caterpillars. She's great. <laughs> this one's hard. It is hard. Iri's the most talented. Nezuko's- Nezuko went through a fucking shitstorm, and she's a meme, and she's adorable, and tiny Nezuko is the greatest thing to ever grace the face of the earth. And she fits in a box. I mean, come on. But then Megami, with her home food, she just cooks everything that's just to taste like home and to be sweet, and, and she is gonna be- she's the mom of anime. She's gonna be a mom so soon. She's like- Yes. That's just who she is. She's just a... But she's all, she can also, like, butcher a giant fish in, like, three seconds. I I really want a Food Wars OVA of them all grown up. Like, just give me a film of them all grown up and just what happens. Please. I fucking beg of that studio. Just give it to me. She's going to babysit all of the, the Food Wars kids. Oh, my God. Could you imagine Soma and Aaron as a kid? Oh, my God. That's horrifying. Cause could you imagine if their kid got the god tongue too? Oh my god. I'm I'm horrified by that. 
the god's tongue, but like with Soma's disgusting food trait. Oh my god. I'm humored by this thought. Uh, and then yeah, this category sucks. <laughs> this category does suck. To be honest, pretty much every single character from K-On could be... They're just like a group of, of good girls, of best girls. They are, but I feel like Ui just sits perfectly in the best girl category and she's squishy, she's adorable, but also she doesn't whine and she's genuinely the most helpful character in that show. Yeah, I feel like either her or Moogie could, could be shows. If Moogie wasn't so ditzy, I feel like Moogie would be a really good fit. Yeah, she's just big squish. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to go Demon Slayer, Demon Slayer as well. I don't want to be like Nilaga, but like she is really iconic right now, and she's badass. And but she doesn't like this. The thing is that her character is decently one-dimensional right now because of the fact that she doesn't have she hasn't had much opportunity to develop her character. Well, I feel like they've done everything they've could for the character. I feel like she's not truly one-dimensional. Mm. She's but not as well-rounded as the like, other characters. No, but then again, how can you make her kind of character... Super well-rounded, that, exactly. Yeah, because again, she shows her personality in other ways. Yeah, but Megami's you know, like had Tiny such Nezuko a... running around. But yeah, Megami's had such a, a growth arc, though. I understand that there's so much more Food Wars than there is Demon Slayer right now, but her level of growth from failing her exams in the first season to winning the blue competition to get to blue Mm. you know you know who else deserves to be on this list while we're sitting here and having this conversation who my from bunny girl senpai she does i'm gonna back megumi purely because of her growth i'm inclined to agree but the only reason she gets it is because she's had more time for growth than any of the other characters on this list yeah because i feel like by the time demon slayer is over we're gonna gonna have to revisit this but we with 2021 and coming back to best girl nezuko is probably going to be re-nominated i guess it just depends on the film because we literally have to look at it as face value for what we've covered what we've for covered that year. and for what we've covered five seasons of food wars megami takes a cake it's just hard man i know you don't want to so leave hard. nezuko alone but yeah we don't have as much content on her definitely don't so yeah just purely because of content itself Megami kind of takes the cake. Mm. Which leaves us with our final category, our anime of the year. This one was hard. Yeah. Again. So remember, these are all animes that we have covered over the past year. They are not animes that have been released over the past year. Same with all of our previous categories. Leaving us down to Dr. Stone, Spirited Away, Demon Slayer, and finally... You're like in April. Are you shocked that I didn't put kids on the slope on the list? No, honestly. Because my thoughts going through this were just... My two picks were probably the two things that I rated the highest. Hmm. But it was really hard for me to not put the second season of ReZero on here. Mm -hmm. It was really hard for me not to because I rated it a solid 10. And it deserved a solid 10. Mm -hmm. But just overall, in my opinion, I think... I think it has to go to Demon Slayer. For me, it's between Dr. Stone and Demon Slayer, even though I freaking love Yola in April and Spirited Away, and also Kids on the Slope. Kids on the Slope I know is a me thing, though. I think that's why I didn't include it. It's because, like, I know that's a me thing. <laughs> and the first season of Tokyo Ghoul deserves a shout. <clears throat> Bree Zero deserves a shout. Rascal Does Not Dream of Bunny Girl Senpai deserves such a phenomenal shout. Yeah. 
there's so much stuff that we've covered this year That's been that you and I handpicked to kind of go in here that either you or I had previously seen and we both rated it incredibly high. Yeah, Food Wars deserves a shout. Uh, Tanaka Kun is always listless deserves a shout, even though that won its category. It's really hard to choose overall anime of the year, but I think when it comes down to it, Demon Slayer just does take the cake because of the huge pop cultural impact, because of the, the hype surrounding it, because of the... The, the craziness of what the movie's doing, you can't deny the statistics. You can't deny it. And just overall, it just, you know what this does? Mm. This spoils our top pick for next week's episode as well. <laughs> Whenever it comes right down to it. Yeah. But, but the, it's, the following ones underneath it are going to be really tricky. Yeah, that's, that's, that's going to be a conversation. Yeah. But overall, Demon Slayer just has to take anime of the year. I'm intrigued to figure out which one we're going to decide is the, the worst anime of the year. I already know where I'm going. I already know where you're going too, but I'm going to see if I can persuade you to something else. You're going to owe me one if you think you can persuade me. There's a couple of things in there that we've watched that are... Well, there's one thing we watched that we tried to watch that we never even finished and didn't even make an episode on because it was so bad. Get... You know what? That can be honorary number 45. Yeah. <laughs> because it was so shitty, I refused to cover it. Yep. Yeah. So, uh. I'm surprised you didn't include that as one of your joke picks somewhere. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. No, there's, there's, <laughs> there's some things that we've covered that have not been so great. But yeah, our anime of the year, I it feels like it kind of goes past our personal choice you know it really does but also i truly do think from a personal choice if you get rid of everything else just out of everything that we've covered this year and the amount of hype and everything that we've went into stuff watching demon slayer just has to take it demon slayer is one of those ones that i'd watch again just for funsies and that's really hard because a lot of like you guys know i don't watch stuff over and over again demon slayer and dr stone are ones that i would just pick up just for funsies. Demon Slayer came out in 2019 and I've already watched it four times. Yeah. Demon Slayer is one of those shows that I felt like you could show anyone and get them to pick it up and watch it. My dad would hate because it, but that's just my dad. My dad would love Dr. Stone, though. And again, Dr. Stone is literally in the same vein. Yeah. You could introduce that to a normie and get them hooked on anime just off of Dr. Stone. Yeah. And again, somebody that's interested in action and everything else... I truly do think either of these, if given to the right person, could, you know, create a weeb in the making. Yeah, but purely because of the pop cultural element, because of the the impact that it's had on our current anime society, Demon Slayer, it had more of an impact than Dr. Stone did. Agreed. So Even before the yeah, film. Yeah, 100%. Mm. So, our 2020 anime of the year, Demon Slayer. Yeah! It, it was so close to being anime the year demon slayer best boy from demon slayer best girl from demon slayer best animation demon slayer best director did demon slayer but do you ever feel like crunchyroll and everybody else's anime awards literally come out the same way yeah like if something is that good it just takes the cake across everything it really does and i feel like well, it's it's just because well, we all get hyped about stuff, right? And when we're hyped about it, we just want more content. I want more about it. I want to talk about it. I want to consume more. I want to make art. I want to do a... Con that's another thing as well. There's been so much fan art from Demon Slayer that's been so cool. And, like, the there's um Demon Slayer-themed lo-fi, like, hip-hop on YouTube as mm -hmm. well. 
that I listen to all the freaking time. You need to send me that playlist because I want to fucking listen to that. Yeah, I will. There's one on like each ca- each character. It's just That's like cool three hours of lo-fi <laughs> hip hop from Demon Slayer. It's sick. But then, like, there's fucking Demon Slayer Tamagotchis. Yeah. I don't know, it's hard not to choose Demon Slayer when the whole world is saying, Demon Slayer! And not only that, but fuck what the rest of the world says, Demon Slayer's fucking amazing. It's really good. It's really entertaining. So, yeah, it totally deserves our anime of the year. Yeah, it does. So that wraps us up for today. So, next week, you have our just overall thoughts of everything that we've covered this year, including a ranking of everything from worst to best. Do we want to do worst to best or best to worst, Consider we already know what our best is? Well, I still feel like yeah, as we get down, the anticipation's going to build. Because I feel like if we start with greatness and then get to shit, the last half of that podcast is going to be nothing but <laughs> rambling. And we're going to get the fuck off topic because we don't want to talk about what we're going through. <laughs> accurate, accurate. Maybe we could leave the very last lowest bottom one to the very last and start from like 44 or something. Well, like I said, I know it's going to take the very bottom if we're going to cover that which did not get covered. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's going to be interesting. However, I think that about wraps it up. It does. So, you can find the absolutely lovely Blue Lavender on Twitch. She is not streaming right now. However, she does have a Twitch channel. So you can give her a follow at twitch.tv forward slash blue lavender if you want to catch up with all of her video game stuff in the future. She also has an Instagram and Twitter at blue lavender STM where you can get all sorts of life updates, photo updates, bean updates whenever she decides to post them. Mm, yeah, and if you like the voice that has accompany, accompanied me, accom- yeah, accompanied me, that's what I was yeah. looking for. <laughs> I think it's because I was trying to say accomplished and then corrected to accompanied and then just got confused. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I have accomplished nothing this episode, although this is probably the most I've talked in an episode before, so... Yay, talking! Uh, <laughs> but yeah. I don't want to say you're welcome, because that could be a bad thing. Who knows? Can I say except you're welcome? <laughs> oh, shout out for best... Uh, uh, ED of movie history, The Breakfast Club. Just put that out there. <laughs> I was thinking that when I was like, best ED of anime, and my thoughts just went to The Breakfast Club. And I was like, oh, okay. Anyways, <laughs> if you like Brad, I'm sorry, I went on a ramble. <laughs> you can find him on Twitch at Brad Carter Gaming. He also has an Instagram under the same handle at Brad Carter Gaming. And he runs our social media here on the podcast, which is BNB Anime on all platforms, on your Twitter, on your Instagram, and on your Facebook. You can find us all there. And if you like what we do here and you want to listen to more, maybe you're interested in some of the animes that we have previously covered and you want to go and give them a listen based on our rankings of all of the shows to figure out who the director is, the behind-the-scenes stuff, and episode-by-episode descriptions as well as a more in-depth versions of our opinions, you can go and check those out on our YouTube channel at BNB Anime, where we have all of our episodes previously archived. We also have a fun handy-dandy website with all of our archived episodes also on there, along with links to each platform to download them. And uh, fun things on there like behind the scenes and and who we are and putting face to the names and projects we're involved on as well as friends of the podcast and a whole bunch of other stuff you can head on over to the website www.bnbanime.com to find all of that fun stuff don't forget to 
Put your rankings of the anime categories down in the description, down in the description, down in the comment section of the YouTube video as well if you're over there. Or let us know what you think should is your best anime of the year on Twitter or Instagram or wherever you want to post it. Because we love to hear your guys' opinions. And yeah, we'll put the list down in the YouTube video, uh, the YouTube video comment section so you guys can tell us yours for all of the categories as well. Feel free to debate us and try to change our minds. Yeah, we're always down for the debate because as we've previously said, and we will continue to say, we are not professional reviewers. We have no qualifications in this. We are literally just two idiots that like to ramble and talk about one of our favorite hobbies. It just so happens to be anime. Exactly. So that wraps us up for this time. Next week, ranking, reviews, year in review, all that fun stuff. Look forward to that. But until then, we'll catch y'all next time. Bye-bye.